0: Time. It's time to hit the ice, penguin fans. Chris Mack has you covered with all the news and notes surrounding, surrounding your penguin. Only on Fifth Avenue Faceoff. Welcome back in. It is Fifth Avenue Face-Off. Chris Mack of the Fan Morning Show on Sports Radio 937. The Fan. With you, Eric Tangrady. He has got some loose ends at home and at work to button up today. We will get him back in the fold on Wednesday if you missed any past episodes man if we had some good ones we had Ray Ferraro on Friday he helped us look ahead to Penn's Bruins which we'll look back on in just a moment great stuff with Andrew Destin last week the Post Gazette young guy who's just started covering the Penguins this year we had Sean McDonough the week before that Sean Gentile of the Athletic some great views behind the scenes in both Denver and Dallas uh, from people at uh, the fan in Denver as well as with the Dallas Stars Just great stuff all around. Jackie Redman of NHL Network a few weeks ago. Bob Pompiani of KDKA-TV talking about where the Penguins land uh, TV network-wise because that's still something that feels like it's fallen off the radar with everybody worried about the team getting into the playoffs. Rightfully so. So always feel free to go back and listen to back episodes because it's not just necessarily about that game the night before that episode was recorded or the games coming up after that episode. We have had uh, the same storylines, the same threads, the same themes weaving their way in and out of this Penguin season throughout. And we've been doing providing fresh episodes uh, for the last Two months plus, so we appreciate you going back and listening to the archived ones as well. Takeaways from this weekend, and two points against the Flyers on Sunday night. None against the Bruins, even though it felt like they were right there, right, on Saturday. Um, Okay, a Bruins team without Patrice Bergeron and Linus Olmark. I kept pointing that out to people on Saturday. They didn't seem appreciative of the fact that I was pointing it out, but it's an important thing to note that the Penguins were playing a Boston Bruins team without their number one goaltender playing. Jeremy Swayman played pretty well, I thought. Uh, and without their captain, Patrice Bergeron, not in the lineup either. And they still went 0 for 6 on the power play. The Penguins did, which is not going to get it done. You take that game, otherwise, and I'll be quite honest, despite the pasta hat trick. And let's take a moment and just pause and give some flowers to David Posternak. Uh, because He is, outside of Connor McDavid, the most electric goal scorer in the league right now. He just is. Uh, And that being said, let's acknowledge that. Uh, I don't like the fact that he plays for the Bruins, and the Penguins are very likely to face the Bruins in the first round of the playoffs if they get in. But unfortunately, it is what it is. Now, here's where the Penguins can find, I think, just a little bit of success in that first round playoff series if they do, in fact, draw the Bruins. Find yourself on special teams. Find yourself even just on the power play. I mean, special teams as a whole, right? Because you're not going to get away if you're the Penguins with giving up multiple uh, power play opportunities in the first period you saw. Didn't work out against the Bruins much the same way. It did work out against the Predators a couple nights earlier. Predators, you know, down here, offensive talent. Ray Ferraro outlined that for us on Friday. If you want to go back and listen to that episode, Bruins up here, as far as offensive talent goes, especially on the power play. So the Pens got away on Thursday night with giving up some early power play opportunities to the Nashville predators between Nashville's lack of offensive ability and Tristan Jari playing a solid game. They got away with it. Didn't get away with it on Saturday against the Bruins and went zero for six on the power play themselves. Can't happen. You score just one power play goal. How about on that five on three, where everything stayed to the perimeter and the exterior of the zone. Score just one goal. Throw one more puck into the middle. I saw one puck during that five on three even go into the bumper position where Jake Gensel was set up. That was a pass from Sidney Crosby. Everything else to the perimeter, to the outside. I look like Madonna. If if you listen to the show uh, on your favorite app, whatever it is, hopefully it's your Odyssey app, You have no idea how much the visual helps because I keep talking about the play sticking to the perimeter. uh, And if you're watching on YouTube, you saw me going like this with my hands and I just realized I look like Madonna in the Vogue video. Dated reference for anybody under the age of 30. Anyway, everything to the perimeter. That's not going to work, first of all. You've got to do better than 0 for 6 on the power play. And the one redeeming quality here is that if they did go better than 0 for 6 on the power play, I think they win that game against Boston to be quite honest and that may be enough just a just one power play goal a night against Boston in the playoffs now look that may be asking much because you may not be able to draw more than three penalties in a playoff game against the Bruins but in that case give me uh, what one and a half out of six right That's still not a great complete or a a conversion percentage. One and a half out of six. What a a power play goal every. Yeah, what's that? Sixteen percent of the time. It's probably not good enough. You're gonna have to do better than that. Again, we're gonna get into hashtag math in just a little bit. So let let me brush up on my math skills now. You're gonna have to go at least one for five on the power play against the Bruins and draw some penalties. and in that case, once you draw them, you've got to convert at least one out of five. That'll get you, I would hope, at least one and a half play uh, power play goals per game. I think they've got a chance to win if they can score on the power play against Boston, is my point. Oh for 6, and still the game coming down to a to a posternak hat trick tells you that they do have a chance, even if it was the Bruins with Swayman in net and without Patrice Bergeron. So that's my takeaway from the Boston game. From the Philly game, it's quite simply... Stop letting off the gas. Stop. Start putting together 60-minute efforts. And for the most part, I thought it was a 60-minute effort against Boston, against Nashville. It definitely was. Start playing every game. Am I bouncing the desk enough here? Start playing every single game the way you played against Nashville on Thursday. And don't worry about whether it's pretty. Don't worry about whether it's ugly. Again, I understand. Again, as Ray Ferraro detailed on Friday's episode, even against Nashville or, or teams other than Nashville, you might not be able to get away with the way you played against them, particularly in the first period. But that's that's as good a game as the Penguins can play going into the playoffs. I called it this earlier, good old fashioned, boring playoff style hockey. Do that against Boston, you got a chance. Just get a bounce, get a ricochet. Get what you got from Ricard Raquel on the first goal against the Flyers on Sunday night. Some kind of weird bounce off the glass. Get that, and guess what? The Penguins steal a game against Boston, steal one up there. Oh boy, all of a sudden we've shifted home ice back for whatever that's worth in the Stanley Cup playoffs these days. But if they can steal one of those first two games, come home, steal one of the two at home, oh my God, all of a sudden it's a best of three and you've shortened the odds. And all that needs to happen to do that is to just hold serve on your special teams opportunities one out of five on the power play, and kill better than one out of five on the penalty kill. That's all we're asking for. Go one out of four on the power play, I'll start to feel pretty good about your odds. But you can't go 0 for 6. That's not going to work. As for between the pipes, I don't know who the goaltender is going to be come game one whether it's against Boston or Carolina or maybe even Jersey, depending on how things go this final week and a half. Um, I don't know who it's going to be. But right now, going into Newark on Tuesday night, I would start Casey DeSmith. I thought he played really well for the bulk of the game against the Flyers. Uh, Tristan Jari, I I don't think he played a bad game against Boston. I think he played a really good game against Nashville. Came up with a few clutch saves when they asked him to. Uh, But I would give DeSmith an opportunity to stay hot against the Devils in Newark on Tuesday and see where it goes from there. Maybe it doesn't work out. Maybe he gives up four goals on 22 shots or, you know, has a dud, which DeSmith is good for every once in a while, although so is Jari, right? Maybe he doesn't come up with any big saves as he did Sunday against the Flyers. Uh, And maybe you're right back to Tristan Jari on Thursday against the Wild. But hell, why not find out if Casey DeSmith can get hot and carry it into the playoffs? And look, you've got Jari there to break the glass in case of emergency maybe DeSmith, like I said, ends up giving up a pair of softies in game one to whoever you're playing. And you know immediately, okay, bang, he's out. But how would that be any different from some of the playoff experiences we've had with Tristan Jari in the past? The problem here is that you don't have a tenderoni. You just don't. You you don't have, if you have two, you don't have none. That's poor grammar. I understand that much. What I don't understand is who the hell and how the hell they're going to figure out who the number one goaltender is on this team between now and April 17th. In fact, I can tell you they're not going to figure it out. Unless unless Casey DeSmith starts lighting things on fire, stopping everything, going unconscious in net, I don't think we're going to have a guaranteed A number one goaltender going into game one of the playoffs. Because I don't think Tristan Jari can get that hot. I'll just be honest. I don't think he can. I don't think he's capable against quality competition. I know he did it Thursday against Nashville, and it kind of made me feel good for 24 hours or so. I got a warm, fuzzy feeling. But I don't think he can make those big saves night after night against quality opponents. Can Casey DeSmith? Maybe not. Maybe not. But you know what? It's happened here and there. With Casey DeSmith, it's more about just putting together a 60-minute effort and not crapping the bed like he did against Detroit, or like he almost did against Washington. They're both flawed. They're both terribly, terribly flawed goaltenders. And in a perfect world, you'd let them both walk this offseason, and you'd find a new pair of guys but this isn't a perfect world. The free agent class sucks. The only guy you might be able to trade for without having to mortgage multiple future pieces would be Carter Hart. The Flyers aren't going to do business with you. Maybe you want to go after John Gibson, but how excited is John Gibson to come home to Pittsburgh? Mm. Um, and if he is, even if he is excited to come home to Pittsburgh, think of how much you'd have to give up to get him. Not just in moving cap space, but also in resources like assets, like young guys. I don't know. I I have a great fear that Tristan Jari and or Casey DeSmith will be back in the fall, despite the fact that we will have no better idea about either one of them three weeks from now when the season presumably will be over. So yeah, we won't know then. And I fear, I I don't fear. I know we won't know. But before game one of the playoffs, we just won't. Um, I, I mentioned at one point today, That Sidney Crosby has now gone 12 games with just two goals. Just two goals in the last 12 games for Sidney Crosby. And I'm trying to convince myself that this is not a good thing, but that it is just the calm before some kind of stretch run, breakout playoff storm we get from Sidney Crosby. When he says, okay, time to turn it up to 11 here throws the team on his shoulders, drags him kicking and screaming into the playoffs, maybe even to the first wild card spot, maybe some kind of crazy seven-game series against Carolina. Who knows? Sidney Crosby's capable of anything. I'm trying to convince myself it's more of that rather than a 35-year-old guy seeing a 77-game regular season, soon-to-be 82-game regular season catch up to him. If Sidney Crosby... Plays in each of these final five regular season games, and I can't see any reason he wouldn't, knock on wood. This will be just the second time in his storied career that Sidney Crosby will have played every regular season Pittsburgh Penguins game. Just the second time. Second time. Only once has he played 82 games in a regular season. And I don't know if that's a good thing. I mean, look, it's, a good, it's good in that without him, where the hell would they be, right? Where would they be without Sidney Crosby this year? Crosby, Malk, and Letang have had wonderful years for guys their age, especially. They've been supported by some people. Jason Zucker, Ricard Raquel, Gensel, I think, is still doing good things for the most part. Brian Russ seems to be coming back to life. But where the hell would they be without Sidney Crosby? So, look, it's not like you were going to, there's no load management here. This isn't Greg Popovich in the Spurs of five, six, seven years ago. And Tony Parker, you take the night off. And uh, Manu Ginobili, you take the night off. And Tim Duncan, you take the week off. No, they can't. They're fighting for every single final, the last point in the standings to get into the playoffs. Nobody's sitting Sidney Crosby in the final five games. Moreover, if Sidney Crosby's healthy, you're not telling him to sit anyway. Because Sidney Crosby loves hockey and wants to play. That being said, I wonder if it's catching up to him this season. I do. He keeps himself in great physical condition. He does, no doubt. I'm not questioning his, his conditioning or his health necessarily. I just wonder, look, when you're 35, it's not as easy to find the giddy up, I don't care who you are, as when you were 25. And that's what we're looking at with Sidney Crosby. Hell, even go back just six years, six years ago, their last Stanley Cup run, Sidney Crosby was only 29. He wasn't even 30 yet. If you're of that age, I'm going to ask you right now, if you are 35 or older, ask yourself how you feel now as compared to how you felt six years ago. I understand you're not a world-class athlete, most likely. But just think about the difference for you. Now, the difference may not be as great for a Sidney Crosby, sure, because he keeps himself in amazing shape. But it still happens. Age catches up with everyone. And even if you're still a point-per-game guy, Sidney Crosby, playing every single game of a regular season at 35 is a whole heck of a lot different than playing every game of a regular season at 27, 28, even 29 years old. So that being said, I'm hopeful it's just him gearing up for the stretch run. I'm hopeful, just two goals in the last 12 games. We'll see uh, in well the final five games of the regular season. And real quick, before I get to some hashtag math, uh, talking about the final five games of this season and how I think it'll play out and how I think the Penguins get into the playoffs, let's talk about Chris Letang for just a second. You know, I've had my ups and downs as a fan with Christopher Letang. Um... But one thing I can say is this. I think he is easily the most underappreciated star in Pittsburgh Penguins history. He has suffered, if you want to call it that, the unfortunate timing, again, if you want to call it that, of playing his entire career in the shadow of Sidney Crosby. Drafted the same year, Sidney Crosby. Um, again, you could call that unfortunate if you want. Uh, it's helped. You know He's helped be a part of, and Sidney Crosby being with him the entire step of the way, has helped him be a part of three Stanley Cup runs and countless huge moments. Yet, all that being said, you still find people who at this stage of the game still want to run Chris Letang out of town. Still. Oh, I can't believe it. He doesn't know what he does. Every single time Chris Letang makes a mistake, people will light up social media. And look, we can... I'm not here to say you can't criticize a guy's mistakes, but every single time people light up social media when Chris Letang makes a mistake. And yet you don't get the same praise from those people when he does something spectacular. Like the couple of game-winning overtime goals he's got earlier this year. Um, Chris Letang... Will go down. If Chris Letang had, been, had not played on the same team as Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, would he have won three Stanley Cups? No. But I do think he would be appreciated as the most talented defenseman in the history of this franchise. And this is a franchise that employed Paul Coffey for a while, Larry Murphy for a little bit, and Sergey Gonchar for a long while. As it stands, he is the most talented defenseman in this organization's history. And there is a very real conversation about his number going up in the rafters next to 66. Someday soon, hopefully 68 and eventually 87 and 71. Because without him, did they win all three of these Stanley Cups? I don't think so. Maybe the first one. That was more gone-charge-driven on the blue line, no doubt. But the second two? 16-17? I don't know. I just wanted to kind of, as he was honored for his 1,000th game against the Flyers on Sunday, I just kind of wanted to get that out of the way. Because I've gone back and forth with my fandom of Chris Letang over the years as well. And some nights he drives me nuts, and I just wanted to be a steady, stay-at-home defenseman. And then he does something ridiculous. And I go, (laughs) Chris, you're such a dummy. Um, he is the most underappreciated uh, I'll refine this here not just most underappreciated defenseman in franchise history most underappreciated player in franchise history that being said would be nice to see him get a shot at redemption for the last couple of seasons in the playoffs this year uh, let's figure out the math of how the Penguins get there, of how they get into the playoffs, and just how painfully close they may come to not getting into the playoffs. We'll do that coming up next right here on Fifth Avenue Faceoff.